0: Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the StayMarriedFlorida.com podcast series. My name is Christopher Bruce. I'm a divorce lawyer in northern Palm Beach County, Florida. And I have the absolute pleasure today of being joined by Gemma Coleman. Gemma is a licensed therapist uh, with her office in the Jupiter area. She serves uh, northern Palm Beach County. And today the topic she's going to be speaking to us about, I think is a good one, actually a great one, And that's how to take control of conflict in your relationship with your partner. Uh, So welcome to the show, Gemma. Thank you. Now, just maybe before we get into it, if you could just uh, tell the listeners a little bit about um, yourself and your practice.
1: Sure. I'm a licensed counselor in Jupiter, and I really believe that your relationships are worth investing in. And I have research-based measures and practical tools that can start helping right away. I love to work with couples. I also enjoy working with the family, especially adolescents. I really enjoy what I do.
0: Now, I guess we'll we'll jump into the topic now. Um, from your perspective as a licensed counselor who works with you know, both families and, and couples, what's the best way for people to take control of the conflict in their relationship, and what types of things should they try to keep in mind when doing so?
1: Well, first of all, you kind of have to start thinking about what type of conflict you're dealing with. Sometimes you might notice that you're discussing the same thing over and over and over again, and it never seems to be solved. Or other times you'll notice it's a new problem, and you are able to come up with a solution for it. And actually, the research by Dr. John Gottman reveals that 69% of problems in relationships are perpetual problems, meaning problems that keep coming up over and over again.
0: Can you give an example of a type of a perpetual problem?
1: Yeah, so an example of a perpetual problem, let's say... There's a couple named Jim and Vivian. And Jim's on his way to pick up his wife to go to a road trip, to go on a road trip, I should say. And as he's driving to pick her up, she calls him and says she hasn't had a chance to get lunch and she's hungry. And Jim picks up something for her from like a gas station thinking, you know, oh, look, she likes these salads. I'll grab one for her. I'm being efficient. I'm saving some time. But then he goes to pick her up. Uh, Vivian gets in the car and sees the salad and is like, what is that? I don't want that. Why did you buy me that? I thought we were going somewhere else. And so then Jim's response is, well, is nothing ever good enough for you? Like, you can't appreciate anything I do for you. The underlying issue there, and the, the issue here isn't really actually the salad and, you know, the type of food that was purchased. It's representative of an ongoing problem, a perpetual problem of Jim feeling unappreciated and Vivian feeling like she's not being considered and that she's just being brushed off. That's an example of, for one couple, you might have no problem with that, and you might be like, okay, oh, well, whatever, we'll just stop by this other restaurant instead, and it's solved. And that's one of the interesting things is that for some people, one type of problem is easy to solve, but that same exact issue might be representative of an underlying perpetual problem for another couple.
0: So how is that different from the solvable problem that you made a little bit of a reference to?
1: So a solvable problem is one that usually doesn't have any sort of underlying conflict that's been going on. So here's an example of a solvable problem. Same couple, they're getting on their road, but they're going to the big city. They have a conversation about what activities they want to participate on during their trip. Vivian is not a big fan of museums. <laughs> She's like, let's try and knock out all these museums in one day. And Jim is like, well, I kind of wanted to see the museum. He says that's not going to be enough time to really see the museum. For them, they were able to have a discussion and then they start to compromise to come up with the solution that Vivian will agree to start with the first museum, see how it goes, with the goal of getting through the museum in one day, and Jim agrees to set that as a goal. And if it works out and as they work through their day, they can make it through it, then great. Basically, the difference here is that there's no underlying issue for Vivian feeling anything about how you know, Jim is treating her in this situation. It's not that, you know, there is, it's not touching on or triggering anything else. It's just a simple kind of surface issue for them. Now, for another couple, that might trigger something, but that's why it's all individual, and that's why it sometimes helps to have a little bit of guidance in figuring these things out.
0: So for the couples out there or people in relationships listening to this that, want to get a little bit better at taking control of the conflict in their relationships, why if at all is it important for them to recognize whether a conflict that they're seeing or a problem is a perpetual problem or a solvable problem?
1: Well, the reason why you need to figure out what type of problem you're dealing with is because you deal with those types of problems differently. With a solvable problem, you have certain things to look out for, and with a perpetual problem, you have certain things to look out for. So if you're dealing with a perpetual problem, if you're noticing that things are being triggered inside of you, like that kind of thought that pops into your head, it's like, oh, here we go again, I'm being disregarded. Oh, here we go again. I'm getting lectured or whatever those kind of, you know, thoughts that pop in our head are. That's usually a good sign that you're dealing with something that's a perpetual problem. Um, and I, you know, when I talk to my couples and I let them know that like, Hey, 69% of what you're dealing with is going to keep coming up, you know, they kind of look at me and they're like, what? <laughs> you know, and I, I have to kind of encourage them and I encourage everybody that Just because, you know, it's not necessarily a solvable problem, it's a perpetual problem, rather, um, doesn't mean you can't get something out of working on it.
0: Right. So I guess, you know, for the people listening, uh, we're recording this on a a Friday afternoon and all we're talking about is problems, so hopefully that changes (laughs) for the weekend. But I guess we'll kind of attack both of these problems separately, maybe, when it, it comes to these problems that you're calling a solvable problem if if you're in a situation with uh, your partner and you see one of these solvable problems, as you call it, coming up. I mean, what are you supposed to do?
1: Okay, well, sometimes when you're trying to deal with a solvable problem, there are things that get in the way of being able to solve those problems. Um, If there is a solution, then we need to learn how to keep it pure and simple rather than getting it Messy. So I talked about Dr. Gottman before, and the Gottman Institute is actually a really great resource for couples, so that's definitely something that you should check out if you're interested in learning about um, some of the the most in-depth research that's been done on couples. Um, So Dr. Gottman has discovered that there are four big offenders in making conflict resolution difficult. Um, They are criticism, contempt stonewalling and defensiveness, and they all get in the way of effective problem solving. So criticism is defined as, like, taking a complaint and then making it into a personal attack. So, for example, you know, with Bill and Vivian with this solvable problem about the the museum and what to do about it. You could either complain and say, hey, you know, I don't really like the idea of rushing through the museum, we drove all the way here, I'd really like to do that. That's called a gentle startup, and that is an antidote to criticism. A a criticizing statement would be something like, well, you obviously just don't care anything about, you know, all the work I put into trying to make this trip work, so I can't believe you're being so selfish. So that is one of the big things that gets in the way of being able to have a good conversation that moves toward a solution. Criticism often spurs the next one of the four predictors of problems in relationships, which is defensiveness. Defensiveness is a deflection of responsibility by pointing the blame back to the other partner, often by pointing out something that person lacks or, something they think they've done wrong, so an offensive response, you know, might be like if they said, hey, I can't believe you're being so selfish, the other person may be defensive and say something along the lines of, well, maybe you should have asked me what I wanted to do. Um, So being defensive can be another way to break down that conversation um, toward making a solution. The antidote to defensiveness is taking responsibility. So any type anytime you can find a little piece of something that you can make your responsibility and that you can agree with and you can make sense of what your partner's complaining about, then you're going to help your conversation go in a positive direction. So um, the other two predictors that have antidotes, so remember we've got criticism. The antidote to that is a softened startup. We have defensiveness. The antidote to to that is taking responsibility for anything you can find that you can take responsibility for. The next one is contempt. And contempt involves coming at your partner from a superior position, sometimes mocking them, belittling them, or just putting your spouse down. Um, So anytime you're coming at at each other and you're making yourself seem better than they are. And sometimes it involves sarcasm. A lot of couples enjoy sarcasm because it's fun and you can do some funny things with it. But a lot of times it ends up being used to hurt or to put someone down. The antidote to contempt is to create a culture of appreciation in the relationship. So, you know, rather than coming up with, um, a statement like, say if Vivian says to Jen, like, "Oh, you just think you know everything about museums, don't you? Oh, you just are the most, the best vacation planner ever. You didn't even think to ask me." That's a contemptuous statement. It's kind of making fun of and being sarcastic and putting, putting him down for, you know, his efforts that he's made to try to get this trip organized. So a culture of appreciation a statement would look something more like, Jen, you know, I really appreciate that you put so much work into this vacation, and I know you love museums, um, and I really I, I really appreciate that. However, I would really like to see more than museums while we're here. So is there any way we can try and figure something else out so that we can do things that we both want to do? So catching your request in an appreciation and in an acknowledgement of something good about the other person mm-hmm. It's going to help move your conversation toward a positive direction and to help you find a solution. The other one is going to spur defensiveness, maybe some contempt back, maybe some criticism, or maybe even stonewalling, which is the fourth predictor of the demise of the relationships. So stonewalling is a little bit like the cold shoulder. You know someone's stonewalling when they look like they've chucked completely out of the conversation. They don't even look at the partner while they're talking. They're like, maybe they're on their phone. Maybe they just have a blank stare on their face. They just look like they're not engaged at all. The interesting thing is that inside, usually their heart rate is through the roof. They're sweating. They're thinking things like, hopefully this person stops talking to maybe this conversation will be over. I just can't wait. Maybe if I just want <laughs> to like, keep talking, finally she'll shut up, and I can finally watch football. You know, so those are the types of thoughts that are going in, on inside someone who's stonewalling. And the way that that person ends up feeling is just that they can't deal with this conversation. They're too ramped up. And so the antidote to stonewalling is to self-soothe. So self-soothing might be something like checking your heart rate and then doing some deep breathing to calm down. It may involve saying, look, honey, I am not as calm as I want to be right now, and I know that we'll have a better conversation when I'm calm. So can you give me, like, 20 minutes, I'm going to take a walk or I'm going to go take a shower or listen to some music or something like that and get myself into a better state of mind so that I can actually – talk to you and we can work on this problem so those are the four predictors of you know difficulty in relationships and it's interesting that Dr. Gottman has studied this for 30 years he's done 30 years of research and he's found these four things and he's been able to predict with 94% accuracy really just watching a newlywed couple for about three minutes I think was the number yeah, and he he sees these, and then he follows the couples over the years, and he can predict by seeing these things in their conversation and in their relationship. Um, Maybe he needs to start bumming more people before they get married. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so you know the the studies are are very very interesting, and it's 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 been a huge blessing to me to be able to learn such practical information to share with couples because, you know, without having some research behind it, which gives me more confidence in the method, without having something I can say, hey, try this instead of that. Don't do that. Try this. You know, being able to say that makes couples feel like they actually can do something about the problem. Rather than just, you know, like, okay, well, why don't we just try to remember how great it was when we first met? You know, that's, that's nice. So but I, I it, take doesn't it kind change of what you're
0: saying what, is, is
1: for couples that, that are relationship maybe down.
0: experiencing some of these common relationship type issues, like is the criticism, contempt, stonewalling, and defense defensiveness. Um, if they start applying the ana- antidotes, as you're calling them, up to those types of issues up they, they might not be as destructive. Is that kind of what you're saying?
1: Yeah. Exactly. They'll you'll be able to hear your partner. You'll be able to listen because you're not getting that harsh, you know, approach. And when you start replacing those things in your relationship, you will be able to work problems out. These are some of... These four things, these can come up in both solvable issues and perpetual problems. Um, So it's really just important to pay attention to them at all times. And I guess, you know, when I mentioned that statistic earlier, you know, you might be wondering if your relationship is just over because you might be thinking about, you know, listeners out there, you might be thinking about your relationship and you're like, okay, yep, I have that one, I have that one, I have that one. you know, I just told you, like, you know, they are a representative, they're a predictor of the demise of a relationship. So is it worth trying and doing anything? Is it just over? Well, no, it's not. It doesn't mean you throw in the towel. If you have some help, if you have some dedication and focus, you can learn to replace these behaviors with the antidotes. And, you know, then you can start to feel a difference in your relationship. It's hard to see your partner's point of view when you feel like you're being put down. You know, and you're more likely to consider what someone has to say if you feel respected and, like, they take responsibility for their part in the problem. So clearing this out and starting to work on it, um, you actually, you do have an opportunity to make a change. You're not just doomed if you see these in your relationship.
0: Now, here's what's scaring me is all this talk about these perpetual problems. I mean, it, that kind of, to me, that denotes something that's never going away, and is there anything you can even do about perpetual
1: problems? Absolutely. So basically the thing that that Dr. Gottman ended up finding out is that the issue isn't solving the problem. It's that we're mishandling the problem. So we're already dealing with the the four predictors. He actually calls those the four horsemen, the Criticism, contempt, Unwilling, and defensiveness. You know, takes that from Revelation, the four horsemen of the apocalypse signifies the end of days for the world. So these are the four that signify the end of days for your relationship if you don't start working on them and replacing them with the antidote. So you're not only dealing with those, but you're also missing deeper meanings and opportunities to turn toward your partner and see their dreams their hidden self and that's why i was saying before that you know it wasn't about like vivian not liking the salad and jim trying to be efficient it was really about for vivian underneath she has a history of not feeling like she's being considered and not feeling like she is important and jim has an underlying history of feeling you know, not acknowledged for the efforts that he's making, or appreciated for the things that he does. So those are that's the perpetual problem. It's not the salad; it's the other stuff. It sounds really nice, you know, to like turn toward our partners and see their dreams. But what do you do with that? Because usually you're you're pretty upset, and it's not the first time. Um, so. It's not going to be the last time either. So what are we going to do? They're not going to go away. We'll see them come up again and again. It sounds pretty discouraging. So it's up to you, though. I mean, in that moment, you can either use this fight about salad or about whatever it might end up being. You can use it to build up your relationship, or you can use it to tear it down. You can whip up four horsemen and start tearing it down, or you can use the antidotes and build it up. Now, the opportunity here with these perpetual problems, remember, it's not about let's solve the problem. It's about having an opportunity to get to know your partner better. What's really going on? Like, why are they so upset? Why are you really upset? It's, it's really when you have that stupid fight about nothing, the goal is to increase understanding, um, to learn each other's perspectives. To have empathy for each other and to have a dialogue about it, and in order to do that, you have to open. Sorry, you have to ask open-ended questions. Um, You can explore the distant past and look for connections. Try to really get each other. It's not easy, but it's not as cheesy as it sounds either. So that's good. Um, It's actually really important. It's paramount. It can build incredible worth and meaning into your relationship.
0: So how can, for the people listening to this who who think what you're saying sounds like a good idea, I mean, how can working with a counselor such as yourself help them implement what really sounds like a new way of thinking?
1: What happens in counseling is I bring the couple in, and my goal is that I want them to be independent as a couple apart from me. So what, the way I facilitate it is that I help the couples by letting them have these conversations. And then while they're having these conversations, I give them specific interventions and tools to use to change from the old way of talking about things to a new way of talking about things. And while I'm with them, when I do notice the four horsemen, if I notice criticism popping up and contempt, then what I do is I gently stop them and help them to learn a new way to do it and to learn an antidote and to to put that into practice. And while they're talking to each other and they're practicing these new ways of doing things and while they're talking to each other and also using interventions that help them to dialogue about it and find the connections and find the underlying meaning to why that salad really made them mad. Um, then that's when they actually get to put that into practice right away with each other in the room.
0: For the people that are listening to this and want to find out more about you or possibly work with you to help implement some of what we've been talking about in the relationship, what's the uh, best way for them to get in touch with you? Maybe if you could share some of that information.
1: Absolutely. I am available to see couples and individuals. I have a practice in Jupiter, Florida. I am at the intersection of US-1 and Indian Town Road, so I'm on the north side. And I also have a website which you can visit. My website is Coleman, my last name, C-O-L-E-M-A-N, practice.com, and I have an email which is counseling at ColemanPractice.com. You can also fill out the contact form on the website if that's easier. And then you can reach me by phone at 561-376-2167. So if you're listening and you you need more help on a personal basis working through some of these concepts, give me a call. Um, I am a Gottman-trained therapist, and I'm a licensed therapist. I'd love to have you in. I, have, I do offer also a free half-hour consultation. And then we can take it from there. So thank you very, very much for having me, Chris. I really, really appreciate it.
0: It's my absolute pleasure, and uh, thanks for taking the time to participate in this. I think it's going to be a great resource for people out there. And just from my perspective as a divorce lawyer, uh, the more people can try to proactively Uh, limit or hopefully get close to eliminating uh, the conflict in their relationship. Uh, I just think it's much better for society in general and uh, everybody who depends on those people in their lives. For more information about StayMarriedFlorida.com, go right to the website www.StayMarriedFlorida.com to reach divorce and family law attorney Christopher Bruce. Call 561-844-1200 or email him at cbruce at nugentlawfirm.com.